0: This is Alan Conman with the Becker's ASC Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Dr. Zach Goldstein, Orthopedic Spine Surgery Fellow at Beaumont Health in Michigan. So, Dr. Goldstein, a uh, pleasure to have you join the podcast today. Before we kick off into, some, into our discussion, I'd love to hear a little bit more about yourself and your background.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Alan. Um, I, I'm really excited to be on the podcast. Um, I'm a big fan of your podcasts. I find them to be uh, very informative and enjoyable, Um, A little bit about me, I'm currently an orthopedic spine surgery fellow at Beaumont Hospital, like you mentioned, in Royal Oak, Michigan, uh, just outside of Detroit. I am originally from the Midwest. I grew up in the Chicago area and then completed my medical training, both medical school and orthopedic surgery residency at Indiana University School of Medicine. Um, I have a special interest in minimally invasive and outpatient spine surgery. And so after my fellowship year, I will be doing an additional MIS spine fellowship in Los Angeles and then be returning back to Chicago to begin private practice. Um, I know that most of your guests tend to be more experienced practicing attending positions, but I'm happy to be here to provide uh, perspective from a recent residency grad and current fellow.
0: Yeah, definitely. And obviously bring a quite unique perspective um, in terms of a recent residency grad, a current fellow, and an exciting uh, exciting fellowship also lined up in, uh, on the West Coast pretty soon for you. But, but to open up our discussion today, I wanted to kick things off with something I know you've quite an interest in, and we're seeing a lot more, a lot more prominence in, in terms of the healthcare spectrum and that's social media, right? Um, I'd love to kind of hand it over to you. How do you think the role of social media in healthcare has evolved in recent years? And, and for, for newer surgeons like yourself coming out of residencies and fellowships, um, is it another tool for to their arsenal? Uh, how do you think surgeons can utilize social, social media platforms for their practices?
1: Yeah, I think this is a really important issue um, that should be talked about. I think that there's has definitely been a trend over the past few years toward physicians utilizing social media to help promote their practice, as well as to interact and connect with their patients. Especially for the younger generation, people spend so much time on social media these days that it's only natural that they want to seek out and learn more about their physicians through this medium. I see physicians and surgeons increasingly using Twitter, Instagram, or even TikTok these days. While some use it sparingly, others are more frequent posters. Um, some physicians seem to use these platforms to advertise with patient testimonials, et cetera, um, while others just you know, post educational content for patients and colleagues to connect and learn from one another. Um, there are even a subset of doctors who share humorous videos that seem to resonate uh, well with the younger generation. Personally speaking, I recognized this trend a while ago, and I started a professional social media page on Instagram less than a year ago, and I've been able to connect with thousands of orthopedic surgeons and spine surgeons across the world, um, as well as people in the general population who are interested in my content. Um, I actually even received job connections through my social media as I navigated my job search. Um, I've been so pleasantly surprised at how powerful a tool social media is these days, Um, And I definitely hope to continue to use social media to connect with patients as I transition to practice um, in the coming years. I think this is a trend that is definitely worth following for all surgeons, especially those who are looking for other forms of advertising. If they're not already receiving a bulk of their patients from let's say a hospital partnership or through a large referral system. I think that any physician who doesn't recognize the value in this form of free advertising is quite frankly behind the ball because I believe that this trend will only continue to grow.
0: Yeah, I mean, really interesting the points you brought up there. It seems the benefits in in terms of advertising, job connections, connecting with other surgeons, and also not not to mention patients as well, but certainly another tool to have in your arsenal. And uh, very exciting to see how how surgeons like yourself and other guys are also utilizing this tool in the modern age. I know there are,
1: you know, some people say, well, they don't have time. and, And I've seen you know, some surgeons are, are using, you know, um, marketing people they hire to do the, the work for them. Some surgeons are doing it themselves. And like I said, you know, you can do as little or as much as you want. You can share as much or as little as you want. But I think that it's just such a a tool, a, such a powerful tool that's available that um, I think you're going to see more and more doctors and surgeons um, using social media in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so moving from social media to your other passion, which we brought up at the beginning of the conversation is obviously minimally invasive spine surgery. Um, I'd love to kind of, I'd love to hear from you what you're working with um, in your fellowship at the moment. What do you find in terms of the most innovative and exciting surgical technologies on the horizon in spine surgery?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you asked about that. Um, I'm very interested to see how uh, more and more spine surgeries are performed in the ambulatory setting. You know, the question, how far can the limit be pushed? Um, Surgeons are already doing outpatient fusions, but how many levels, right? I mean, the technologies that exist for minimally invasive spine surgery have come such a long way um, and have become so commonplace that I wonder, at some point, are patients going to start demanding MIS spine surgery to the point that if you're not operating through a tube for a standard primary procedure, are you deviating from best common practice um, I'm also very intrigued by how endoscopy will continue to grow in the U.S. among spine surgeons, um, just as it has you know, across other parts of the world like Asia. Similarly, will robotic-assisted fusions become even more commonplace? Uh, these are all like the fascinating questions to me, and this is really the main thing that really drew me to the field of spine surgery um, when I discovered it in residency, because it's really such an exciting point in time with so much new technology and many different potential unknowns in the near future.
0: Yeah, really interesting to hear what you've been focusing on and and what many spine fellows and residents are seeing today. I'm curious, is there there a specific technique or skill that you're really looking to kind of hone in on and master in the coming years in relation to spine surgery?
1: Yeah, I think that um, for my fellowship year, you know, I would like to become, like most fellows, proficient in all the traditional open spine procedures. Because there's always, you know, indications and, and reasons to to do these procedures, um, and then to at least begin to gain comfort performing minimally invasive surgical techniques. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be at a training program that uses a lot of new technology, and I've already, in the month that I've been here, have had the chance to see robotic and endoscopic spine cases. I think that, you know, mastery of these skills can be difficult in just one fellowship year, but hopefully, I will acquire a starting skill set that will allow me to enter practice with an exposure. To all the new technologies that exist, and then that way I'll be able to provide the most cutting-edge surgical techniques to treating my patients in the least invasive way possible in the future.
0: I'm curious as well, uh, something that we're hearing more and more uh, becoming a bit more prominent, as you said, as as we're seeing spine surgery move to the ambulatory setting, is endoscopic spine surgery, like you mentioned, probably more prominent in uh, parts of Asia and Europe at the moment, is this something that you've kind of worked with at the moment, or is it something you're thinking about incorporating into your practice, your skill set in the coming years? As, like we have mentioned, we see spine surgery moving more and more to the outpatient setting where endoscopic spine surgery is an ideal um, ideal technique for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's something that definitely intrigues me because that's sort of the natural next step. You know, these incisions have gotten so small with the, the MIS tubular approaches. You know, th- the next step would be endoscopic surgery where the incisions are even smaller, they're just percutaneous um, stab incisions to the skin. And, you know, I didn't have any exposure to endoscopy uh, in residency. And certainly, I think there are lots of residencies in the country that still no one is doing endoscopic spine surgery. So you have a whole generation of, you know, incoming spine fellows that haven't really seen it yet. Um, I think it's becoming more and more common. I'm lucky that at my program, there's a physician uh, in the spine group here that does endoscopic spine cases he'll do them both for decompressions as well as um, endoscopic assisted uh, fusions for like T for example. Um, and so uh, I'm definitely actively getting exposure to the endoscopic spine cases and throughout the rest of the year i'll hopefully get some more and then, when I do my minimally invasive spine fellowship uh, next year. Hopefully, some of the guys there will also be doing um, some endoscopic cases, and and I definitely it's something that I definitely want to uh, bring to my practice because I do believe that there I do believe that there is a role uh, in it in the future, Um, and I think that we're just really at the tip of the iceberg into what endoscopic spine really can be. We're just you know starting to realize all the benefits you know of. Endoscopic spine. I mean, the first time you actually stick the endoscope in, you can see the disc space and really see your end plate preparation. It gives you a whole new perspective on you know all the traditional surgeries that we've been doing for years. Um, and so, I think it's a really exciting time for endoscopic spine surgery. You know, there are still questions that exist with uh, how insurance is going to uh, you know reimburse it. Um, and so, I, I think we're just at the forefront of you know, this new era. And I think there's definitely limitations in endoscopic spine surgery. And so there's still a lot of questions that still need to be answered.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you've got an exciting time for you at the moment, obviously going back to that minimum based of fellowship you've got coming up soon. I'm not too sure how much how much details you can share about it at the moment, but can, can you be a bit bit more specific in terms of what exactly uh what what aspects of minimum base of spine you'll be focusing on in your fellowship.
1: Yeah. So um we'll be learning all about uh, really the whole gamut of minimally invasive techniques from you know, minimally invasive discectomies, uh, laminectomies, tubular T lifts, um, minimally invasive approaches to scoliosis surgery with uh, lateral fusions and percutaneous uh, pedicle screw placements. Um, and then as well as doing you know, outpatient spine surgery. So the traditional you know, decompressions that people have been doing outpatient, but also being able to do fusions, even multi-level fusions in the outpatient setting.
0: Oh yeah, really interesting. So really the, the full spectrum of minimally mini invasive spine with, with, a, with an emphasis on, on outpatient surgery and multi-level fusion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you talk to anybody going through spine training now and it really is uh, pervasive in all of the fellowships. I mean, all of the fellowships in the country are kind of advertising how much of the MIS spine surgery is being done. And I think it's really starting to kind of manifest in patients in the general population, kind of really being interested in this minimally invasive spine surgery. And they're coming into the office and they're, they're asking about it. They're saying, hey, I heard about this. I'm interested in this. I came to find you because you're doing minimally invasive spine surgery. And, and I really think that that's kind of where the field is headed. And while there's always going to be reasons to do open traditional surgery, I think that you know if surgeons haven't perfected the MIS techniques, that they're going to be left behind in some ways because that is really is where the entire field is headed.
0: And Lastly, Dr. Goldstein, before I let you go, what's next? Once you get through your fellowship, have you started to look that far ahead yet or what are you excited about uh, after next year?
1: Yeah, I'll be joining a private practice uh, in Chicago, um, back home where I'm from. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, You know, I, I, hopefully should be a great job for me. And, you know, I, I, I'm enjoying training, but obviously I'm very excited to, you know, finally be done soon in the near future and and start growing a a successful practice.
0: Fantastic. Well, certainly a lot of exciting things in the pipeline for you, Dr. Goldstein. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today. And for any listeners interested in connecting with Dr. Goldstein, you can find him on Instagram or Twitter with the handle at ZGoldsteinMD. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Alan. I, I appreciate you having me on.